Welcome, everyone, to the Gambling Couch. I am your host, Cade, and I am joined this week virtually by Seth. Oh, let me turn you up. Oh, great. We're good. We're good. We're figuring it out on the fly. Um, Seth is on a retreat this week, working remotely, so we couldn't do it in person, but we're making it work. We will get you guys picks after a solid, a solid week seven. You were two and one, yeah. Yes, sir. Who'd you have uh, last week? So I had the Steelers plus one against the Titans. I said I think they would win on the money line, and they did. It was kind of scary at the end. I believe it was 27-24 final score, uh, but they were up like 27-3 to three or something. They were killing them, and then the Titans kind of came back. But they held on for the win there. Um, my other pick that hit was Panthers plus seven and a half against the Saints. That was a close back-and-forth game. That's another one where I sprinkled a little bit on the money line because I thought they could win. They ended up just short. Uh, I can't remember the final score exactly. I think it was about three points as well. Um, so that one hit. And then the worst pick of the week by far was I took the Cowboys uh, as a pick And, man, that team's a lot worse than I thought they were. They're just absolutely terrible. We saw today. Well, this week they traded Everson Griffin, I believe it was, their defensive end. And then yeah. They released a defensive tackle, released a cornerback. They're just cleaning house on defense. They're down to their third-string quarterback, possibly. It's just, they're bad. They're a bad team. It's a dumpster fire. Just don't bet on Dallas going forward. I don't think there's even, there's not a line posted on the Oregon Lottery scoreboard for them this week. I think it's just the Dalton concern moving forward. Don't know if he's playing or not, but, I mean, even if he is, I, I mean, they're so bad defensively. Like you said, they got rid of Griffin and, it seems like, I mean, they still kind of have a shot in the NFC East just because everyone's so bad, but I think everything's kind of lining up for Philly to run away with it because Dallas just looks horrible. So that's not a good situation at all. Yeah, I'd probably, I would expect Philly to win that, but hey, I mean, Washington has two wins now. They're towards the top of that division as well. It's true. If they can get some, like, solid quarterback play from somebody. Um, yeah. They, I mean, they've got like Terry McLaurin and I think it's Antonio Gibson, and the the, the yep. defense isn't bad. So, I mean, that's pretty good. Interesting, kind of moving forward. If they can get someone behind center that can be consistent, not turn the ball over, and just, I mean, even if that offense is, you know, high teens as far as efficiency goes, I mean, they can they can certainly compete in that division. So we'll see. It'll be interesting. Um, I was 2-1 last week as well. Uh, Chargers and Packers both covered relatively easily. Um, And then the Bills laid an absolute stinker last week. That was one of those things where we just thought it was a good spot for them, but they kind of just eked out a win against the terrible New York Jets. Um, Keaton was 2-1 as well. Bucks and Pack both covered and then he was on the same boat as me with the bills pick which was disappointing to watch um anyways that we were what six and three as a group last week um so we're we're rolling a little bit here um you know if you're putting money on every pick we've got you're you're coming out um ahead so we're going to try to keep that trend moving here in week eight. We'll jump right into our podcast pick. I'll let you take it. We both like Carolina minus two and a half versus Atlanta. Why do you like Carolina? 
So this is actually going to be my fourth week in a row putting money on the Panthers. They're two and one in the previous three weeks that I bet on them. Um, and I'm just, I'm sticking to my guns here. I've been on this team all year. I think that they're better than the public gives them credit for. Um, I probably sound like a broken record at this point. They have a pretty dang good offense, probably top 10 offense, and then uh, mediocre defense, mediocre at best, I would say, um, defensively. But this is um, a Falcons team that they beat in week five, I believe it was, in Atlanta. They were two-point underdogs in that game. I took them on the money line. They covered. Uh, now they're getting the Falcons at home. Um, and, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just going to stick to it. This Atlanta defense is awful. Their defense is banked up. They're ranked 27th defensively in DVOA. Um, like I said, Carolina has been really good offensively all year, so I'm just going to stick with that. I don't think uh, Atlanta has anybody in the secondary to cover DJ Moore or Robbie Anderson. Um, Christian McCaffrey, I believe, is looking like he might return this week. I am not 100% certain. I can, do you want to try to look that up? Yeah, I'll uh, get IT on it. Yeah, get the IT guy. Get, get Jeff on that. Jeff. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, you know, I, I just really like this, this Panthers team. I've said it all year. Um, I, it's under three points, which I think is really big for that. Um, it could be a close game. Uh, last game was 23-16, to 16, so they did beat them by a touchdown. Um, but Atlanta was a little more banged up than they are. Uh, I don't believe Julio played that game, so that's something to watch out for. And they are getting a couple pieces back in the secondary that I don't think were there week five. So uh, make sure you know that before putting money on it, but especially if Carolina gets McCaffrey back. I mean, I just think they're going to blow them out of the water. I think they're way better than this Falcons team. Yeah, McCaffrey returned to practice on Monday and Tuesday, seen wearing non-contact jersey. Um, sounds like initially he was a long shot, but Matt Rule kind of changed the tune, said he was hopeful he could play this week. So it's kind of still in question whether or not McCaffrey is going to suit up, um, and that's definitely something to keep in mind going into this thing. If he plays, I think, I mean, it just kind of strengthens our side that much more. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm on the same exact page as you are. Looking back on last week, Carolina coming off pretty, I mean, it's a game they could have easily won against the Saints. They were in it the whole thing. They missed a 65-yarder to tie it late. Um, and then, I mean, kind of one of the narratives of last week, Atlanta's coming off that loss against Detroit where Gurley scored. Um, you know, I was watching NFL Network a little earlier, and they had Matt Ryan mic'd up in the huddle telling them, get the first down fall down don't score they're on they, they knew what to do it's just kind of a blunder Detroit you know drove down the field and scored and they lost so the Panthers struggled to run it last week 37 yards on the ground but they stayed in that Saints game so that's kind of um, compelling moving forward here Atlanta's defense is okay against the run I think they're top 10 but they're dead last close to it um, against the pass so I think that I'm, you're just trusting Bridgewater to throw the ball around, and put up some points against a not good, you know, back end of that defense. Um, I'm just expecting Carolina, you know, to exploit that weakness, and I think they outscore Atlanta here. I think it's a good spot for them. Um, it's a divisional game. They're coming off a divisional loss against the Saints. I think this is one that they need to win if they're going to um, stay in contention for a division title. So uh, I like this spot a lot. You know, you're getting it under a field goal. Um, you know, again, it is Thursday night, and that kind of lends itself to weird things happening. But I, I think Carolina's a good play here. Yeah, just to add on top of that, I think we probably get the better coaching staff, too. I'm really impressed with what Matt Rule has done in Carolina. Um, and if I'm not mistake, mistaken, their offensive coordinator, is that um, 
the LSU guy? Uh, I'm not certain. Panthers, but anyways, yeah, I, I just think it's a good spot for them. It should be something that they cover. It's just a you know under a field goal, so yeah. Should be a good spot. So that is both of our first pick. Um, I guess I'll jump onto my second. I like the Los Angeles Rams traveling to Miami, playing the Dolphins. The Rams are a three and a half point favorite. Um, and here's why. Tua is obviously the starter now for Miami. They're coming off a bye. Um, he's a little bit of an unknown. I mean, we saw him a little bit against the Jets a few weeks ago. He came in and threw two passes. I think he you know, played one drive or something like that. But we don't really know what we're going to get from him. You know, Obviously, there was no preseason, so we've seen you know, very limited amount of footage of him on an NFL football field. And it, it, was, it was a little bit of a surprise to see Fitzpatrick benched after the way that they've played um, these last few weeks. Miami's looked pretty competent. Um, and they're definitely a talented team on both sides of the ball. But I really like the spot for the Rams. They rank 11th against the pass, and their defensive line is 6th in adjusted sack rate. So I think that they've got a good shot to kind of bottle up Tua, get after him, um, you know, get up early, make him make throws. And I, I, I like that secondary a lot. Um, Miami's O-line on top of that is middle of the pack and pass protection. So I like that matchup for the Rams D-line. Um, Miami's rush offense has ranked 23rd in efficiency. So if they try to take a little bit of pressure off of Tua by running the ball, um, you know, on first down, early downs, I think it could be kind of troublesome, um, running into the teeth of that Rams defense and to top it all off. The Rams' rushing offense is the most efficient in the league, number one, and Miami's run defense ranks dead last, 32nd. So that's an awful mismatch for Miami defensively. I think the Rams can run this thing down their throats, and I think it's very possible we see Tua struggle a little bit in his debut um, against a talented defense led by the best player in football, Aaron Donald. What do you think? You know, I was up in the air but I think you just talked me into probably putting some money on the Rams there. There we go. Um, you know, the concern going into it, you know, before delving into it too much was that, you know, it's Tua's, um, his first start, and, you know, I mean, he, he might be a special, but that's a heck of a defense to go up against in your first start. Um, you know, have an Aaron Donald come down your throat. I'm sure they're going to try to double-team it, but you do that. Then you got Leonard Floyd coming off the edge. I mean, they just got... Some guys up front, Jalen Ramsey in the secondary. It's a tough defense for a guy in his first career start. So, um, But, yeah, I didn't realize that Miami was that bad against the run, so that's huge because I know their secondary has been pretty good um, this year. But if they can uh, run the ball down their throat with Daryl Henderson, who has been underrated, I think, just because, you know, they use a committee. They give um, Malcolm Brown a lot of touches. They use Cam Akers somewhat. But Daryl Henderson has been pretty good. Um, I think I haven't looked since uh, a couple weeks ago, but he was like, fifth ranked running back on pff or something like that but he's been having a pretty good year under the radar i would say yeah he's he's arguably one of the better backs in football if he were to kind of have a lead role on a team i think we'd see a lot more out of him um he's obviously like you said splitting carries uh and you're right miami's past defense is ranked sixth so i think if you're going to be on that miami side you're really trusting tua to kind of 
explode light. I mean, just kind of light a fire under this offense and get up early. And then you're kind of, you know, forcing Goff to make plays and you have a secondary to rely on. But I think it's one of those things where he's going to, I mean, you're under the bright lights on the NFL stage and your first start and you're playing. I mean, I'd argue that's probably one of the three or four defenses you don't want to go up against in your debut with some of the guys they have. So I just think it's a bad spot for him. Um, and you know, you're only laying three and a half with the Rams. So I think you've got a, some pretty good value there. So I actually just looked it up and Daryl Henderson is the number one ranked running back on PFF. The problem is he's only played 191 snaps compared to Malcolm Brown's 233. Um, but I think the past four or five weeks, he has gotten more snaps than Malcolm Brown. But, um, I mean, if they just gave him more looks, I think he could be a real threat. I mean, he already is. being ranked first and all that but he's a weapon for sure absolutely agree um so what's your second pick so before i get into that um the panthers offensive coordinator is joe brady you're right that's right Um, so yeah i like what they've been doing there in in carolina i've been on that team all year and they're fun but uh, my second pick i'm gonna take the green bay packers minus seven against the minnesota vikings at home um, they played week one. The final score was Packers 43, Minnesota 34. Very high scoring affair. I'm going to take the over because it's only at 51 and a half, and I think it's probably going to be about the same thing. Um, but this comes down to the offenses for me. The Packers are ranked fourth offensively in DVOA. The Vikings are ranked 21st in that category. Um, obviously, Green Bay's defense is not very good. And, you know, we've said it all year. I feel like I say this every week. Same thing with the Panthers. Their defense is bad, but their offense kind of carries them. That's exactly what happened week one against this Minnesota team, and I expect it to happen again. Um, Dalvin Cook, I think he might be coming back, but he's um, he's going to be banged up either way. I think the biggest worry, if you're on the Packers here, is that the Vikings did not utilize Justin Jefferson at all week one, and they still put up 34 points against the defense. Um, so that's definitely something to be wary of, but I think these are two teams going in different directions. I think the Packers offense is legit top five, you know, maybe top three in the league, um, the way that Aaron Rodgers has been playing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Devontae Adams went off his rocker last week. So I just think it's, it's basically a similar spot against that Texans team. I think last week, I think you could compare Texans and the Vikings, um, somewhat. And I think it's going to be another blowout. I like it. Um, yeah, I looked at it long and hard, um, and you know the the way this thing played out week uh, or the last time these two played, um, I could definitely see something similar happening again. It looks like Dalvin Cook was limited um, today, so it's very possible he it looks like he is on track to play. Um, either way, you're right; he's probably not 100. Um, percent And yeah, I mean, we have said it every week: Green Bay's defense is bad, and that's just kind of something you take into account when looking at these things, but their offense is that good. I mean, they, they make up for it a little bit. Um, I don't really see a world in which, you know, Kirk Cousins, that offense gets going um, enough to keep up with the Packers. I think it's, you know, like you said, one of those things where they just outscore them. Um, so I like that side. I like the, I like the seven, um, you know, if anything, just tease it down to one. I don't think that the Packers lose this game. Um, so, I think you're in a good spot there. Um, And I did see kind of interesting today. It sounded like the Packers were inquiring on Will Fuller of the Houston Texans, kind of just some preliminary 
um, talks. Fuller's on the last year of his rookie deal, um, and Pete, they aren't sure if you know Houston wants to, wants to pay him um, that kind of money to stick around. So that would be huge if they added a piece like Fuller. Um, I mean, Adams is their number one weapon. I mean, obviously they have Aaron Jones, but as far as receivers go, they don't really have a whole lot outside of Devontae. That'd be huge, you know, getting a guy that can stretch the field like Will Fuller, and then third double teaming Devontae all game. You just run him straight up the field, hope the safety doesn't help over top, and you got some nice connections. I would believe I, the trade deadline's coming up, isn't it? Like what, November third, I think. Yeah, I think it's shoot week nine. I think is the trade date. So yeah, I think it would be next week um, at some point. So yeah, we'll see if anything crazy happens. Um, we just mentioned earlier that Carlos Dunlop to Seattle. We can touch on that a little later, but um, this is the time of year where stuff starts kind of brewing, so it'll be interesting to see who makes moves, who dumps guys. We obviously talked about Dallas doing that, so um, you kind of see who's who's making a push and who's selling stuff off. Um, so let's see. My third pick, I like the Pittsburgh Steelers traveling to Baltimore. Playing the Ravens, the Steelers are a three and a half point underdog. Um, you know, it seems uh, what really kind of gravitated me towards this to start was the three and a half just seems a little too high. I don't, I don't know why the Ravens are favored by quite that much. I think Baltimore had a bye last week. The Steelers had a pretty convincing win against Tennessee, where they bottled up Henry um, in that offense really comes down to it's just two really good defenses here. Pittsburgh is ranked second in DVOA, the Ravens third. Pittsburgh's first against the run, and the Ravens are third against the run. So it kind of what this comes down to, I think it's going to be a battle in the trenches. It's going to be two teams that they run the ball a lot. They're going to try to you know shove it down one another's throat. I don't think there's a whole lot of success there on either side. I think it's going to come down to who makes big plays offensively, um, you know, notably like 15 plus yards down the field through the air. So I'm trusting Big Ben and the Steelers receivers to make that kind of stuff happen. Um, Baltimore's pass offense ranks 21st. They've struggled a little bit through the air so far. Um, we know what Lamar can do when he gets going, when he gets into open field, when he gets out of the pocket. Um, but I, I, I just think that that Pittsburgh defense is the best in the league by. I don't know. Maybe not a huge margin. Tampa Bay's up there, but I think they're the best in the league. Um, Pitt is kind of middle of the pack offensively across the board, but I like the big play potential with guys like Claypool, Deontay Johnson, you know, Smith-Schuster. Um, I think Deontay Johnson came out of the game uh, a little early last week. Um, it was an ankle or something, so he's questionable. I'd keep an eye on that. Um, but he saw like 15 targets last week. It's, I mean, he's he's a big piece for them when he is healthy. So I... I Make sure that he is playing. Um, the Pittsburgh D-line is the best unit in the league by a sizable margin, according to analytics. Um, so, like I said, I think it kind of comes down to both teams are going to try and establish the run. I don't think that either is super successful there. It's going to be who can throw the ball down the field, and I trust Big Ben and their weapons to do that. Um, what do you got? This is a Pittsburgh team that I have really liked all year i took their over nine wins before the season that was in our <clears throat> preseason podcast um 
and you know you touched on all of it i think I'm, I'm with you i said it last week i think they have the best defense in the nfl the only competition there um in my mind is tampa bay and then baltimore there at three um and you mentioned deontay johnson it's looking like he should play and he's a guy you touched on the targets you saw last week and in the first two weeks of the season he was in double digits both those weeks as well um so he's a big volume receiver for them. He's a very big piece. He's a safety blanket, uh, but he can also go downfield and make plays as well. So he's a very good player that um, I think, you know, they missed him those weeks, what was it, three through six where he was out. Um, so I think it's a big get if he's definitely back um, on the field for them. So um, the only thing keeping me away here, and I think you mentioned it, is, you know, it's Lamar Jackson, and that offense can be explosive. Um what helps a lot is Pittsburgh's ability to stop the run. You mentioned how they're the best in the league at doing that. That should hopefully um, keep Mark Ingram, J.K. Dobbins, and Lamar, of course, in check. But um, I don't know. That's the only thing keeping me away from, from betting it is that they have Lamar Jackson. and They're two really good defenses, so I can see Pittsburgh struggling to move the ball a little bit. But it should be a low-scoring game, and typically, typically the thought process is if it's low-scoring – the underdog has a good chance to cover because there's not very many points on the board. Um, so I think the fact that you're getting over three is huge. If it was under three, I think that'd be pretty scary. But if you're getting that field goal, I mean, this could t- totally be a 23 to 20 final score and you cover with that half point there. So um, I like it just because I think this is a game that, I mean, when I bet underdogs, I like to bet a team that I think can win the game outright. And if Pittsburgh wins this game, I'm not surprised. So I don't hate it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that that getting that extra point on top of the field goal, I think, could be big if this thing does stay low scoring. And like you said, it ends up being a 23-21, 24-21, something, something like that. Um, and one last thing, just looking at DVOA, they have run blocking rankings um, based or kind of Going off of offensive lines, um, Baltimore ranks 23rd, which kind of surprised me a little bit, and I'm kind of digging into it a bit more. Um, Really, the key there, I think, is they rank second in the open field, essentially meaning when they get guys in the open field, they have a lot of success on running plays. Um, And that makes sense, thinking about, You know, they have Lamar Jackson. They have some guys that can make plays in the open field on the ground. Um, And looking at Pittsburgh's defensive line, they rank towards the bottom half of the league in open field um, defensive line run play. So that could be, that's probably the one thing you're banking on with Baltimore if you, you know, go with that side is they find ways to get Lamar in the open field and they, you know, can pick up big chunk plays on the ground um, you know, by utilizing that aspect of their offense. So I think it'll be a good game, a fun game to watch. Um, I just think you get a lot of value with that Pittsburgh at plus three and a half. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens. I'm excited to watch it either way. Um, what do you have for your third pick? So my third pick, I am finally going to toss the Buffalo Bills into my best bets. The first time I've done it all year. This is a team in the preseason that I was absolutely in love with. I took their over nine wins in the preseason podcast, but I haven't put them in my best bets yet. I should have the first, you know, four weeks when they were looking unbeatable, but I didn't. But I'm going to do it this week. Uh, Minus three and a half against the Patriots in Buffalo. Um, 
and this comes down to a couple of things. One, I still like the Bills. I think that they, um, you know, their offense has looked a little shoddy the last three weeks now. Um, but I think that they still have the pieces to be uh, a team that can put up points. I think that Josh Allen is a real difference maker. They need to get better in run blocking. Um, Devin Singletary hasn't had anywhere to go. And, you know, I mean, that's definitely hurt them. Um, but Josh Allen has four or five rushing touchdowns on the year, which is definitely something that helps. He's a big play arm. Stephon Diggs is huge. Um, John Brown has been injured, and, and from what I've seen, he's he's feeling a lot healthier. So I think having a healthy John Brown is going to help him a lot. Um, their defense is still pretty bad um, by the numbers, and you know it, it, it's just weird because they were really both these teams were really good defenses last year, and now they rank in the bottom third of the league um but i I just think the bills are much better than the patriots at this point and a lot of what this comes down to is this patriots team might actually be bad um they looked pretty good the first two or three weeks of the season and now you know i mean they're ranking as the 25th offense and the 25th defense per dvla and last week cam had three interceptions pretty early on um, gets benched, which, I mean, people kind of make a big deal about that, but the game is out of hand. You don't want him to get hurt. I, I understand why they did it, you know. Want to get sit him some experience, that's fine. But, I mean, Cam looked bad. Um, they just don't have any weapons. Julian Edelman doesn't look very good. The rest of the wide receivers I can't even name, other than Nikhil Harry, I guess. Um, their running backs aren't very good. So the, Also, their offensive line has a couple of injuries that came up last week, so I think they're going to have some – uh, troubles protecting Cam, and I honestly think that this is just going to be. Honestly, I think it's going to be a stomping. I think the Bills are going to go in there. Um, they're going to be facing a team that has been their big brother for the past 20, 30 years now. I mean, I was listening to Bill Simmons talk about it, and he was saying how the, for the past twenty years he just wrote the Bills off. He knew that the Patriots were going to get a win almost every single time they played, and I think this Bills team has something to prove against them. I think they are more talented, and they're going to get the job done. And I do not mind laying the three and a half at all. Yeah, I think it's a good spot too. Um, you know, I came across something earlier today. The last time the Buffalo Bills were favored against the New England Patriots, any ideas? Um, I'm going to say in the nineties. Two thousand three. It's the last time, week one, wow. 2003, was the last time that the Bills were favored by uh, over the Patriots, and it was a blowout when it did happen. Um, you know, so we we're going on 17 years since that last happened, so you're right. I mean, they've kind of been the little brother in the AFC East to the Patriots. Um, and I, I like your point. We were talking about it pre-podcast. Um, I think the Patriots might just be bad. I think you're, you're right there. I... The roster isn't anything, you know, it doesn't look anything like it did last year, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. Um, they lost a lot of guys primarily to Miami and Detroit. You see a lot of expatriates on those two teams. Um, they just don't have the same pieces that they did, and they haven't been performing um, to a certain standard. Um, I listened to Rosillo talk earlier this week. Um, and he kind of, you know, brought up the point, how many rosters in this league would you rather have, um, over New England? How many, I guess a better question, how many teams would you rather not have their roster over New England? 
Um, and I think that that number is probably pretty limited, um, especially the offensive side of the ball. Brady was able to kind of get away with working with limited weapons just because the way he played, getting the ball out of his hands quick, the game plan that they came up with weekly. Um, and we saw it in the early weeks, you know, they kind of built their offense around Cam Newton and it worked out there a little bit against inferior competition, but you start playing teams like the Bills that can, you know, do some stuff on the offensive side of the ball. You got to keep up with them if your defense isn't going to stop them. And it's just, it just hasn't worked out. So I think that this Patriots team might just be bad. Um, and, you know, I, the Bills laid a stinker last week and that's kind of sticking with me. So I, I'm staying off of them strictly for that reason. Um, but I think this kind of could be the turning point potentially, um, you know, between this, this Bills and Patriots, you know, quote unquote rivalry. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this thing kind of plays out. Three and a half seems kind of low considering how bad the Patriots have been these last couple of weeks. Um, granted they played pretty good defenses in Denver and San Francisco, but they just haven't really shown me a whole lot. So I like your side. Yeah, I wouldn't have been surprised if this line was minus six bills. I think that's probably closer to where I would put it, honestly. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you. Um, so those are our best bets. We'll kind of recap them here for you. Um, let's see. So I've got Carolina minus two and a half against Atlanta. I've got the Rams minus three and a half at Miami, and I've got the Steelers plus three and a half at the Baltimore Ravens. And your three? So I also have the Panthers minus two and a half at home against the Falcons, Packers minus seven at home against the Vikings, and I just talked about the Bills minus three and a half at home against the Patriots. So those are our best bets. Like we said, we were 6-3 and three as a squad last week. We did not get Keaton's picks this week. Um, he is hard at work down in California. Um, we hope to have him back soon. But in the meantime, keep rolling with us, and let's win some money together. Um, let's We can dive into the rest of the Week 8 slate. Let's start with Sunday morning. We've got Detroit's a three-point home dog against the Indianapolis Colts. Do you have any thoughts here? Yeah, I lean the Colts. Um, just because I think their defense is light years better than what Detroit has on defense. Uh, the Colts are ranked fourth in defensive DVOA. Detroit is ranked 18th, which is actually higher than I thought they were. So kudos to them. Um, but I think the, the, the worry and what kept it off my best bets is that I don't really trust the Colts offense yet. They are 22nd in DVOA. Um, Philip Rivers, you know, you can argue he might be looking a little bit washed up. Maybe that's true. We've kind of touched on it a little bit throughout the podcast, but um, I'm going to stay away from it. But if you made me pick, I would take the Colts because of that defense. Yeah, I'm staying away from a little bit. I guess we'll get into it a little bit later. I like Detroit here, um, just a smidge. Um, I just I trust their offense a lot more, and like you said, they're not as bad defensively as you might think, um, just looking at the numbers, and I don't like what the Colts have done offensively at all this year. Um, I mean, they'd, if they were you know, any sort of competent on the offensive side, then they would definitely be making um, 
an appearance in my best bets more often, but you know, I got burned by him early and I'm just staying away. I don't trust Phillip Rivers at this point. So um, I like Detroit a little bit, just getting the three at home, um, but I'd stay away. Uh, let's see. We've got, ooh, I like this one. Cincinnati is a six-point home dog against the Tennessee Titans. A very interesting matchup. Um, I was looking at this a little bit. I I pondered the Cincy plus six. I just like what they've been doing offensively these past few weeks. Um, when Joe Burrow's been going to get going up against you know average to bad defenses, he's tended to put up some numbers. Um, and Tennessee has looked really bad defensively these past few weeks. They just, that's just they're they're good offensively with Derrick Henry. Tannehill can throw it a little bit, but they just can't stop anyone on the defensive side of the ball. So, you know, since he doesn't grade out well um, analytically, but just kind of the eye test with them. I mean, they can put up points. If Mixon, if Mixon plays, I like it a lot more at, you know, getting the six points. But um, all in all, I'll probably just stay away. I think there's a pretty high variance as to what can happen in that game. Yeah, that was one I was kind of looking at too. Um, I mean, Titans have looked really good offensively, but they've come from behind in I think just about all of their wins so far this year. So they get down quick and early, um, and I think that could be the case this week too. We saw the Bengals went up 7-0 against the Browns last week. Um, Joe Burrow had some success. They put up 30 points against that bad defense. They're facing another bad defense here. I think they could definitely put up some points. Uh, especially if Mixon plays, like you said, even then, AJ Brown has looked good. Tyler Boyd has looked good. Um, they have pieces offensively, and, and you know, I mean, like you, you mentioned, I mean, DVOA still doesn't like them. They're 28th uh, in the offensive DVOA rankings. Um, but yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow looks pretty good, and the eye test says that maybe they can put up some points against this Tennessee team. So I don't hate plus six at all. Yeah, and I think if anything, I like, I think I like the over here more. Um, than either of the spread sides um, just because I think since he can put up points on the Titans defense and offensively the Titans are a pretty well-rounded team um, so over 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 unders at 53 and a half um, I think I'd lean the over there this is one where I would want to see Derrick Henry's rushing yards over under because I think he could have a monster game on the ground yeah that's that is very fair um so we've got Kansas City's at home, the biggest line of the season, a 19.5-point favorite versus the New York Jets, probably the biggest line we'll see all season. Um, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> if you put a gun to my head and said, hey, bet this line, I would put money on the Jets. I just I can't, I cannot talk myself into giving up almost three touchdowns to start the game. There's just no way. Um, this line was as high as 21 and a half, so right over three touchdowns um, as a look-ahead line. Uh, but, you know, I mean, the Jets' defense ranks 20th in the league in DVOA, so, I mean, Kansas City hasn't been world beaters this year. They do still rank as the best offense, um, so that's your worry, obviously, and their defense has been pretty good, so... You couldn't make – there's no way I'm putting money on this. You couldn't uh, – I mean, it's just a disgusting line, disgusting game. I don't want to touch it. Yeah, I wouldn't either. KC's number one pass offense 
number one overall, like you said. Um, the Jets are 28th versus the pass, so, I mean, that doesn't line up well for them. Um, the over-under is only at, like, 40, 40, shoot, where is it, 49. Um, you know, probably one, definitely the lower end of KC games you'll see. Um, but obviously that has a lot to do with the Jets being completely and totally incompetent offensively. Um, I think, I don't know, I... I'm just not going to bet it. You know, 19 and a half is way too many points, but this could also very easily be a blowout. You just wonder if it's one of those games where Casey is looking ahead to next week. Um, it's just kind of one of those, they gloss over it. It's going to be a win. They all know they're going to win the game. It's just a matter of going out there and scoring more than the other team. It doesn't have to be, you know, 40 points. So 19 and a half is just a lot at the end of the day. So I would stay away. Yeah, with the total being at 49, that means the odds makers are saying this is going to be a 39 to 10 game. I don't know if that happens. That's just so many points. Yeah. That math is way off there. 29 10. Dang. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And even then, you're right around, I mean, it, ma- it makes sense. You're right around that 19 number. So, I'd, yeah, I'd stay away. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The Browns, two and a half point favorite at home against the Raiders. You pondered this one, did you not? Yeah, I took a hard look at the Raiders for a couple of reasons. First of all, um, Cleveland just lost Odell, and, you know, I mean, that's a pretty big loss. He's still a really good wide receiver, regardless of how up and down his stats are. That's a guy that defenses want to take away. And now their receiving core is led by Jarvis Landry, who I love, but he's not a deep threat. He's a possession receiver, slot guy, 5 to 10 yards down the field. Um, At the outside, I think they have, like, uh, Richard Higgins, maybe. I can't even remember who their third wide receiver is at this point. But um, Austin Hooper was out last week. I think he might still be out. They had a big performance from Harrison Bryant, one of their tight ends. But Baker just, he's so up and down. Um, he's thrown so many interceptions this year. He turns the ball over a lot. The thing that's keeping me away from it is Las Vegas' defense, which I believe, and I'm going to double check this really quick. Yeah, their 31st overall against the or sorry defensively as a defensive unit um and you know that's just that's just bad so um my worry would be that baker finds success and and get something going but i also expect las vegas to be able to put up points they're top 10 offensively so far this year um josh jacobs a good offensive line Derek carr has been quietly really really good this year if you kind of dive into his numbers a little bit he's put up some big games he's kept them in games um, their offense has looked really good. You know, Henry Ruggs is a big piece on the outside. Josh Jacobs is a top five, top ten running back. Um, so offensively, they should put up points. And, yeah, I, I definitely lean Las Vegas here. I might end up betting it just because Nick Chubb is still banged up. Odell's out. Baker doesn't look very good. And Las Vegas' offense looks really good. I think it could be high scoring, and I think they could outscore Cleveland's offense. I like Las Vegas here. You know what? I like Oakland. I'm going to call them Oakland. I've called them Oakland all year. I'm not going to, you know, veer away from it now. Um, and you're right. Derek Carr, the numbers kind of, you know, go to show that he's been one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Um, just looking, you know, on Football Outsiders, he's top six, top seven in DVOA, QBR, um, effective yards. He's right up there um, with – everything really so and I was 
You know, a game that has kind of stuck out to me this year is that that I can't remember which week it was. Um, I think I'd missed the podcast. I watched the Oakland KC game, um, watched quite a bit of it, and kind of dove into it. I just I like the way that Derek Carr carries himself a lot. Um, you know, John Gruden is building a certain kind of team there where it's just a lot of physical kind of hit you in the mouth kind of guys and that's how they beat KC is they came out and they just played more physical than they did they had a good you know game plan defensively and they made some big plays down the field um you know I think Henry Ruggs is going to be a deep threat um you know a lot of his career I think he's kind of here to stay I just like a lot of the weapons they have on the offensive side of the ball and I like you know some of the pieces they have defensively I think there's still probably a couple you know, a year or two away from being um, a good football team. But I think that they can certainly, you know, get a win this week against Cleveland, who, like you said, is a little banged up. Um, and you're asking a lot of Baker to, you know, lead you to victory every week. I don't, we haven't seen that he is that kind of guy yet. So until I see it, I'm going to roll with um, this Oakland squad that I, I like quite a bit. Yeah, going back to Derek Carr, too. Um <clears throat> They bring in a guy like Marcus Mariota, um, presumably to, you know, if Derek Carr has a bad start to the year, he's going to take over as a starter. I mean, he, they, they brought in some competition for him, and he has more than rose to the occasion. I mean, he's looked really good this year, and I think that he might be turning over a new leaf in his career. Him and John Gruden might be onto something. Maybe that's something that they can build around um, for the next few years, just get some pieces defensively, and, and they could compete, you know. I mean, they're a pretty good squad. They beat the Chiefs already this year, so we'll see. Absolutely. How about the Denver Broncos as a three-point underdog at home against the Chargers? Um, you know, I, I'm, I don't know if I glossed over this one or if there wasn't a line or what the deal is, but I, I like the Chargers as a three-point favorite here. I like the Chargers team in general. Yeah, this one, I, I actually almost looked at the Broncos, and my reasoning for that is as much as I love Justin Herbert, um, this is a really tough defense for a rookie to go against. Um, Denver is seventh in DV- DVOA defensively, so um, that kind of crossed my mind, but their offense is so bad, and the Chargers defense is also top 12. So I'm going to stay away. I did look at Denver a little bit, though. Yeah, and I think that's probably ultimately what kept what will keep me away is the Denver defense. They are really good. You saw how they bottled up Cam. Um a couple weeks back, but they are terrible offensively. The 31st ranked pass offense, 19th rush offense. Um, I believe they just lost Philip Lindsay to a concussion. I don't know if he's playing or not, but, um, you know, Melvin Gordon's been in some trouble this year. It's just offensively they don't have a whole lot going on. They're asking a lot of their defense um, to keep them in games. Um, expect a little more out of Drew Locke. You know, he's a guy that, Last year, um, that organization liked him a lot, and we've kind of been waiting to see. You know, he's shown flashes. We've just been waiting to see him put it all together. It just hasn't happened, unfortunately. So, um, you know, you might take into account, like you said, the Charger defense is pretty solid. Um, can they put together a full game? Um, but you are. You're asking a lot of Herbert. So I agree. Staying away is probably the right play. Um I guess did neither of us pick the Seattle-San Fran game, so Seattle is a three-point home favorite. I 
against the San Francisco 49ers. Um, you know, we, we kind of talked about it um, pre-podcast. San Fran is good defensively, um, and they've they've gotten healthy. They've rebounded these last few weeks after a slow start. That that might still be a good football team. It's it's kind of it's up in the air at this point. Um, I think this will be a big test for them playing Seattle, who is very high powered offensively. They they aren't going to stop you on the other side of the ball. But San Fran's also banged up at running back. They lost Mostert. They lost uh, shoot Jeff Wilson last week, who had a big game against New England. So it'll it's it's going to be a good game. It's just uh, I think it's going to be a big test for San Fran to see if they're real or not. Yeah, my initial lean was to take the Seahawks because of that high-powered offense, because of the injuries to the Niners, but I just can't bring myself to do it with how bad their defense has been. I mean, uh, Russell Wilson has to put up a lot of points every single week because of how bad their defense is, and I think this game almost comes down to Kyle Shanahan. What kind of game plan are you going to put forward? I mean, he's seen this team a lot. They've had some success in the past, and I wouldn't be surprised if if he gets them on the right track. I mean, you know, this San Francisco team is one spot above Seattle in DVOA's overall rankings, and that's because they're 8th offensively and 8th defensively compared to 28th defensively for Seattle. So um, I'm going to stay away because of the running back injuries that you mentioned. They're also going to be without Debo Samuel, who is probably their best wide receiver. Um, They still have Brandon Ayuk. They still have George Kittle, who's going to be a problem. Defensively, they have a lot of pieces, but... Uh, Russ has scored on everybody this year, so I expect him to do the same, and I think San Fran's going to have to keep up. Um, so I'm going to stay away. I did lean Seattle. Almost talked myself into San Fran. I'm all over the board on this game, so I'm just not going to touch it. Yeah, and I think, you know, Seattle, just their secondary is terrible. They're ranked 30th against the pass, and that's really what's hurt them all year. Teams can throw the ball all over the place there. Um Surprisingly, ranked ninth against the run, which I did not expect to see. They just, we mentioned earlier, they traded for Carlos Dunlop, um, kind of an edge rusher kind of guy. I don't know that that's the answer. Um, you know, obviously a pass rush can kind of help out your secondary when you're getting after the quarterback a little bit. Um, you know, a good pass rush is nothing with a bad secondary. A bad secondary, uh, or a good secondary, isn't a whole lot without a pass rush. So you kind of need the two to go hand-in-hand, hand, and they just don't have the pieces on the back end. So I will continue to not trust the Seattle team defensively, but when you have Russ on their side, it's hard to you know kind of argue otherwise um, against this team. So you know I think the three points with San Fran might be the right side just because you know, you're trusting Shanahan to put together a game plan against a division opponent. And this is, I mean, this is a big game. This is probably the biggest game – um, within the NFC West so far this year, um, we saw what San Fran did to the Rams a couple of weeks ago on Monday night. Um, you know, this it'll be interesting. It'll be fun to watch regardless. Absolutely. Um, let's see. Moving on to Sunday night, we've got no Sunday night game is posted for some reason. Oh, you're right. I guess this is not Sunday night. Sorry, another afternoon game, Chicago. A four-and-a-half-point home dog to the New Orleans Saints. I looked at the New Orleans side long and hard, but I couldn't do it. What about you? Yeah, I looked there as well. I think that's where I lean. I think that's definitely where I lean because... Okay, so I said this last year on the podcast. I said Matt Nagy is probably the worst 
play caller in the NFL. And for some reason, he still has those duties, probably because he assigns them to himself as the head coach. I don't know what the deal is. I think he's a fine overall head coach. I just think he's a terrible, terrible, terrible play caller. He runs on first down too much, doesn't call enough play action, doesn't use enough motion. He doesn't do the things that modern NFL teams do to win. He's not setting Nick Foles up for success. You can point to Nick Foles' inaccuracy problems. But look, his head coach is not putting him in good spots for success. He's he's running the ball on first and second down. So then he's in a third and seven situation. He has to make a play. And I mean, I mean, like last week um, in that game, that's exactly what they did in the very first drive of the game. I was watching for it. They ran it up the middle, one yard. They ran it up the middle, one yard. Third and eight, and Nick Foles converted. So, um, and, and that doesn't happen more often than not. I just I hate the play calling. It's bugged me since last year. This is the second year we've been going through it. I hate that offense. The defense is good, obviously, but I'm going to pick New Orleans, even without, probably without Michael Thomas. I don't care. Just that Bears offense is terrible. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, and kind of a, a big storyline coming out of that um, Sunday night game last week was, or I guess it was a Monday. It was Monday against the Rams. Um you know, Brian Greasy mentioned on air that Nick Foles had, you know, made comments in their meeting pregame that, you know, there are often times where Nagy will call a play and they'll have disagreements because Foles knows that he's not setting him up for success. He doesn't have enough time to get rid of the ball. It's just, it's it's not something that is going to work within the scheme of game. Um, and... You know, people kind of blew that out of proportion. You know, it's it was Foles taking a shot at Nagy. But, I mean, I think that there's something to it regardless. You know, when you have your starting quarterback, a guy like Nick Foles, who's been around the league, he's played for multiple teams, he's won a Super Bowl, he, he knows what he's doing um, on a football field. You trust him enough to put him behind center, and he's making a comment like that. Goes to show that you're, you know, spot on with Nagy's play calling. It's something that's been a problem for a little while now. And the Bears have been, I'd, I'd say, probably below average these last you know three to four years on the offensive side of the ball. They've relied a lot on that defense. And, you know, New Orleans has weapons. They can they can move the ball with or without Michael Thomas. You know, they a good win last week against Carolina. Um, you know, you... you Ask yourself if this Chicago defense poses enough of a threat to slow them down. Can they score enough? And I just think the answer is probably no. I would lean New Orleans at the four and a half. Um, and I would hope that Chicago does something with their offense because it's it's tough to watch when you have a defense like that um, and your offense just can't perform at a level. You know, to I mean, they've started off the well solid. I I like the under to start the year. And I don't. I still don't hate it because I think this is a team that that could collapse pretty easily if their offense continues to play the what they did, you know, Monday night. Yeah, I mean their defense is still pretty good. That's the only thing that keeps them in game. That's the only reason they're. I mean, what's the record now? Like five and two or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just that offense, man. And I just remember back to when Nick Foles was having success, like with Philly early on in Jacksonville. He was taking shots. You know, 15 to 20 yards downfield, but all um, Chicago does, it's either a little, like, screen pass or, like, a slant two yards downfield, or they're taking a shot 30 yards downfield on a vertical route. I mean, there's no in-between. There's nothing in the middle of the field there. It's just, 
I hate watching their offense because I know Nick Foles is a good quarterback. He's shown me that. He's won a Super Bowl. But he looks bad because the system just doesn't fit him. It doesn't fit anybody, I don't think. It's just a terrible offensive system. I think with the right guy there, with with a good play caller, I think they could be good. Um, but that's, you know, it is what it is, I guess. Oh, Chicago. Um, let's see. So, so the, the Sunday night game is Eagles-Cowboys. Yeah, I don't see a line. Yeah, so, I mean, that one's kind of a toss-up. I mean, it's probably going to be, you know, Philly by, I mean, depending on if Dalton plays, it's probably four and a half or five, I would guess. I mean, I don't think they're they're going to be favored by a whole lot. Um, you know, no matter what it is, I probably like Philly just because of the way they've played these last few weeks. They've shown a little bit of fight. You know, Wentz, I still like Wentz. I'm still, you know, relatively high on him. I think he's a good talent. He just makes some bad plays here and there. Um, they're going to have the better quarterback. They're probably going to have the better offense in general, just with Wentz behind center. Um, and it's two defenses that aren't great either. So it's really a toss-up. I'd stay away, but I'd bet Philly if I had to. You, yeah, I'm not. I'm not touching Dallas at all the rest of the year. They burned me so bad last week. I mean, against the Washington football team, you you give up 22 points in the first half against them. Uh, man, that defense is terrible. Um, I don't care who's behind quarterback. I'm not going to bet this team anymore. And so whatever the line is, give me Philly. There you go. Um, So that's Sunday night. Monday night, we've got a great matchup. The New York Giants are a a 10.5-point home dog against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's a lot of points. um, But, I mean, Tampa Bay is probably the side. I don't think New York's anything special. Yeah, I don't think you... Uh, man, it'd be tough to bet New York here. Um, Tampa Bay's the first-ranked team overall in DVOA, the first-ranked defense, the sixth-ranked offense. Tom Brady has looked really good. He had a 55-yard touchdown or completion, at least, to Scotty Miller last week. Um, their offense has been clicking. You know, they got Leonard Fournette back. He's looked all right. Ronald Jones has looked pretty good. They're kind of splitting carries there now, which sucks fantasy-wise, but probably good for them in real life defense has been stellar um yeah i mean i I would probably look at tampa bay here because i don't think that the giants are going to be able to do anything against that defense and i think tampa bay can do what they want with with their defense so uh, one thing to keep in mind is that chris godwin has already been ruled out um doesn't worry me a whole lot personally because when godwin does play chris or sorry yeah when godwin does play mike evans kind of disappears and when he doesn't play, he kind of blows up. So I expect that to happen. So Scotty Miller, who I mentioned, has been really good for them. Kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, he's been really good for them this year. Gronk has looked pretty dang good the past few weeks. I think this team is rolling, and I expect them to win pretty handily. Yeah, they absolutely should. I think that's the expectation, you know, uh, across the league. Um yeah, I just, I mean, New York doesn't have enough going on for me to put any money on them at the 10 and a half. Um, at the same time, it's a lot to lay with Tampa, but it's definitely the better team, and they should win this thing pretty handily. Uh, it has the potential to be, you know, low scoring, um, especially if Tampa Bay can, you know, kind of throttle New York offensively, which I think could very well happen. So uh, we'll see what happens. It's It'll be a... Uh, uh, not so eventful Monday night game, but is what it is. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the it's the 30th ranked offense with the Giants. 
going up against the first ranked defense. I, that's, that's tough. That's tough to see. Yeah, that'll be. Uh, it could get ugly. We'll see. Um, do you have any? Uh, let's see. Over under. Do you have one? Yeah, I mentioned it a little earlier. I'm going to take the Packers Vikings over 51 and a half. These teams combined for 77, I believe it was, in their first meeting week one this year. Um, I don't think it'll get there necessarily, but I would not be surprised if it goes over 51 and a half by a decent amount. I like it. Um, I like the, where is it? There it is. Tennessee, since he mentioned it earlier, over 53 and a half. I think there's a lot of points here. Two pretty good offenses, two not so great defenses. Is the recipe for and over? Um, do you have a teaser parlay? Anything? So for a teaser this week, I'm taking three teams who I believe could win the game straight up, but they are underdogs. So Raiders, I'm going to take them from two and a half point underdogs up to hitting eight and a half against the Browns. Would not be surprised if they win. Steelers from three and a half up to nine and a half against the Ravens again. Would not be surprised if they win. And the San Francisco 49ers up to plus nine against the Seattle Seahawks, who have never in their entire life won a game by double digits. Booyah. I like it. Um, Let's see. So, you know, I've been doing this parlay thing. It hasn't been working out a whole lot. Trying to get really good odds on it. Um... Last week, I'm, I'm getting closer, though. That's that's the key. So last week, I had um, Carol, or, sorry, New or- yeah, Carolina to beat New Orleans. That thing, like we mentioned, came down to a last-second field goal to tie it. Carolina was right there. Um, Arizona beat Seattle. I had Arizona to win. And then Pittsburgh beat Tennessee. I had Pittsburgh to win. So I was literally three, four points away from cashing in on plus 1,900 odds. Just didn't happen. So this week, I've got another one teed up. Odds are a little lower this week. We're at plus 1,300, but I like it. I've got San Fran to beat Seattle. I've got Pittsburgh to beat Baltimore. And I've got Detroit to beat the Colts. Plus 1,300. Bet a dollar. You win 13. So just do it. You know, it's just you're throwing money at the wall. Something's going to stick eventually, and you're going to be up on the year. You're going to be up on the year. It'll happen. So that's what I like. I like that one. That's pretty good. Put the Raiders in there. Give me some Raiders action. Ah, uh, yeah. I thought it. not losing to the Browns. I, 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 could, I could throw them in there, you know, bring them. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to do it. Just bring it up a little bit. Why not? There you go. Um, anyways. So I guess that's about it. We can recap our best bets one more time for anyone who's made it through this whole thing if you want to jot them down. Um, So I've got Carolina minus 2.5. I've got the Rams minus 3.5. And and I've got the Steelers plus 3.5. Seth, you have Carolina minus 2.5, Buffalo minus 3.5, and Green Bay minus 7, correct? That is correct, sir. Boom. So those were our best bets. Um, We appreciate y'all listening. Uh, Apologize if the audio quality isn't up to par. We're making do with what we've got. Um, But yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, I guess our social media, um, this is always an adventure. So 
Instagram, we are at Gambling Couch. Damn it. Okay, Instagram, we're at The Gambling Couch. Our Gmail is thegamblingcouch at gmail.com, and Twitter is at Gambling Couch. I think that's right. I, need, I just need to write these on like a sticky note and put them on a computer. Um, we should make t shirts. We should make t shirts. Three different handles. Thanks, Keaton. Yeah, let's let's do that. We'll do a t shirt with the three handles on front and then the thanks, Keaton, on the back. Yeah, and then I'll wear it to every podcast, and that way you can just look at my shirt and you'll know what our handles are. And then we'll just say, thanks, Keaton, at the end. It's just, it's tradition at this point. Thanks, Keaton. All right. Well, that'll do it. We'll wrap this thing up. Thanks for listening again. Hit us up with questions, comments, anything you've got. We would love to hear with you from you. You know, share it with your family and friends. Um, it's a, we hope it's an easy listen for you. It's interesting, just football talk, just hanging out with us. So um, take it easy, stay safe, and we will see you for week nine. See you later.